So today is the fourth Sunday of Lent. We are making our way through this season of preparation for new life. And as we've been preparing, we have been thinking together about spiritual practices. These are not things to perfect. They are practices, ways we can play around with drawing closer to God. We've talked about fasting and prayer and silence, listening, and this week we're going to talk about simplicity, simple living. And our text for today is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Jesus said, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, where moth and rust don't eat them, and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is one of those passages where I want to say, really, Jesus, did you have to go there? Because I struggle with this. Where is the line between responsible living and too much? Between endless striving and taking care of what we need? It was hard for me with Susan's barrel of stuff to sort out what do we need and what do we want. Jesus invites us into that tension. As I was thinking about this text this week, I kept thinking about a myth that Robin Wall Kimmerer shares in her book Braiding Sweetgrass. Robin Wall Kimmerer is a botanist and a member of the citizen Potawatomi Nation. And in her book, Kimmerer winds together scientific knowledge with indigenous wisdom. And toward the end, she tells the story of the myth of Wendigo. And I'll let her tell the story. The Wendigo is the legendary monster of our Anishinaabe people, writes Kimmerer. The villain of the tale told on freezing nights in the northern woods. You can feel it lurking behind you. A being in the shape of an outsized man, ten feet tall, with frost white hair hanging off of its shaking body. With arms like tree trunks and feet as big as snowshoes, it travels easily through the blizzards of the north woods. The hideous stench of its carry-on breath poisons the clean scent of snow as it pants behind us. Yellow fangs hang from its mouth where it has chewed off its lips from hunger. Most telling of all, its heart is made of ice. This monster is no bear or howling wolf, no natural beast. Wendigos are made, not born. 
The Wendigo is a human being who has become a cannibal monster whose hunger cannot be satiated. It is said that the Wendigo will never enter the spirit world, but will suffer the eternal pain of need. Its essence, a hunger that can never be sated. The more a Wendigo eats, the more ravenous it becomes. Consumed by consumption, it lays waste to humankind. Traditional indigenous upbringing, she writes, was designed to strengthen self-discipline, to build resistance against the insidious germ of taking too much, especially during hungry times. And then indigenous wisdom recognized that Wendigo nature is within each of us. And so the monster was created in stories so that we can learn to back off from that greedy part of ourselves. She goes on to write, The fear for me is far greater than just acknowledging the Wendigo within ourselves individually. Fear for me is that the world has turned inside out. The dark side made to seem light. Indulgent self-interest that once people held to be monstrous is now viewed as success. We are asked to admire what people once viewed as unforgivable. The consumption-driven mindset masquerades as quality of life, but it eats us from within. It's as if we've been invited to a feast the table is laid with food that only nourishes emptiness. The black hole of a stomach that never fills. We've unleashed a monster. It's always a temptation, at least for me and I think in our culture, to read scripture individually. As if it is addressed only to ourselves and our individual mor- morality. But it was addressed to a community. And these words apply to our communities and our societies as well. It's important to remember that we are part of a society that as a whole has Wendigo nature. Our system is built on acquiring more and more and more until we are as stuffed as that barrel of stuff that Susan brought forward. Jesus calls us to a different way of life. Historically, that alternate way of life has been thought of as simple living. It's been a practice that runs counter to the practices of the world. And this has taken all sorts of forms over the years. There's no one right way to do it. In monastic orders, folks take a vow of poverty and own nothing for themselves. All is held in common. 
And non-religious organizations and communes and communities have pursued the same vision, where all is held in common. But there are lots of other approaches to simple living as well. Others, like many of you, live out this simplicity in your daily choices. Simplicity through the food we eat or choose not to eat. That might be a practice we're engaging in this Lent. Or simplicity through the house we choose to live in or the neighborhood we choose to live in or the place we choose to work or serve. Or simplicity through how many clothes we choose to own. I know some of you have gone on fasts from buying clothes for a period of time just to see how much do we really have already. Or maybe a personal challenge is simplicity in how many books I like to acquire. My bookshelves are convicting. And yet, even with all of this, we have to watch out. Our society, as glutted as it is, in a society as glutted as ours is, even simple living can become fetishized. I spend too much time on Instagram, and I love to follow accounts that are about minimalist living. So I waste my time scrolling to try and inspire myself to live more simply. And if you go to bookstores, there are entire shelves on simple living, on minimalist houses. The publishing industry misses the irony, or we do, because we or people like us spend their money on more books to tell us how to have fewer books. We're stuffed. And we can't figure out how to get free. And that ultimately is what Jesus wants for us. Freedom. God's arc is always toward liberation. Jesus calls us out of all that stuff that traps us. And we can't get free while we're possessed by that hungry ghost. So, Jesus says... Try this on for size. Instead of so much stuff, treasures here, what if you stock up on treasures for heaven? Now, what does that mean? I have heard this text preached and have preached it myself as a stewardship text. What this means is you should give away money And it would be preferable if you would give it to the church. I'm not sure that's exactly what Jesus meant here. And I don't think it's about futures, buying futures for pearly gates and streets of gold. I think Jesus is getting at something else here. When he talks about heaven... Someone in Bible study put it beautifully this week. Heaven, she said, is being in the presence of God. And that will happen after our death in a way we can scarcely imagine. But we don't have to wait for that. It can happen here and now when we are awake and present. 
and grounded. And so we seek those things that help us do that. Help us have less so that we can have more presence. Have less so that we can have more attention. Have less so that we can have more relationship. Less time spent tending all our stuff. And there are concrete ways to do this. The Jesuit priest James Martin, who has practiced simple living for years, suggests three concrete ways to get started. I found them helpful. First, get rid of everything you don't need. That could take years. It's helpful to me to remember that he has been a priest, a Jesuit, has been practicing trying to do this for decades. So we take our time. It's not all or nothing. At the second time that we are scanning our lives for what we don't need, we are asking ourselves, what do I want and what do I need? Those two practices go hand in hand. And then the third practice he recommends is giving away things we think we need, but that we find we can live without. That's graduate level work. I'm not there. It requires deep trust. And I think that's what Christ is ultimately calling us into. Faith is another word for trust. And God calls us to trust in what is deeper and truer than anything we can provide or seek or acquire for ourselves. When we live simply, we have to rely on other people to help meet our needs, to loan us stuff, to borrow our stuff, to feed us, to feed each other. We are pulled into webs of reciprocity. We learn to lean not on our own strength and our own understanding, but on a community. We can't do it all ourselves. Living simply pulls us into relationship with each other and with all of creation. And that is what sets us free. It's what God longs for, for each of us and for all of us. Amen.